Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Ken Fish. We are going to be talking about a wonderful Obus Ministries of the reforming of the church. He says the knowledge of God and that of ourselves is connected. Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self, says John Carvin. Self-discovery is in conjunction with the discovery of God. As God would be discovered, we discover more about ourselves. The willingness to be open, allow God to speak to you and through us is divine knowledge. Ken Fish is a native of Los Angeles area, an honors graduate of Princeton University and a degree in history and philosophy of religion. He subsequently earned his master's degree uh, from the Fuller Theological Seminar and uh, seminary and emphasizes in theology and intercultural communications. Um, he's also had a 25 year in the Fortune 500 executive um, companies after earning an MBA in finance and strategy form. So he's certainly a person that's well-rounded and has got many, many sides covered with him. So um, the question would be working you know, for Fortune 500 companies, which would keep you working 24 hours a day. How do you have time? to do anything else and what kind of are you redirected now completely into what you're doing welcome to the show ken thanks it's great to be here uh well to answer that question yeah i pretty much left the uh, corporate world about well, a little over 10 years ago 11 this is my 11th year of doing this <coughs> excuse me full time um i've since then done some consulting for various companies uh, including some very well-known organizations uh, on the private sector side and um, some big projects with the united states government uh, but but really what i did when i uh, left the corporate world as my main lodgement is i launched this thing called orbis ministries and as uh as you quoted you you were quoting john calvin he was one of the uh, great and well-known reformers of the church approximately 500 years ago. Uh, therefore, he counts as what is now known as a DWM, dead white male, and uh, is almost immediately subject to cancellation. But, you know, Calvin had, Calvin had some uh, insights, which themselves drew on older traditions in the church. Um, and the one that you know, that we submitted and that, you know, you were quoting is he said that true knowledge consists of the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self, which is to say really that these two things are interdependent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are on a quest for knowledge. They're on a quest for wisdom. Some people use the term learning, but I tend to use the term wisdom rather than learning because uh, in my mind, learning is more cognitive. It's more content oriented. Wisdom has some sort of dynamic flow to it, and it, in, it includes the application of knowledge. In other words, you know, you could know a lot of facts, but which ones do you apply in which situation and how do they get you to a, a, a fruitful outcome? So I, uh, 
anyway, Calvin said that true knowledge, you know, and, and by that he, he means something a little more expansive than just bookish knowledge. It has these two parts, knowing God and knowing yourself. And he goes on and says, that's to say, you can't really know God without having some self-knowledge, some understanding of yourself. We could unpack that a bit and say, knowing who we are, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. And, uh, and then he says, and similarly, um, we can't know ourselves without actually reflecting on God. And so, you know, Calvin is coming from a perspective that God is not merely a cosmic force or some universal consciousness. I mean, God does have consciousness, but rather that um, God is personal and knowable. And uh, if we come into knowledge of him and in, in have a relationship with him, uh, then we actually embark on a voyage of self-discovery and self-learning. You're speaking my language there completely. I call it the knowingness. You know, we get that gut feeling. Why do you know? I don't know. I just know. And I call that the divine wisdom that then speaks through the heart and to the heart that lifts the spirit into action for the mind to know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. Knowledge is data. It is learned. That's right. Knowledge. That's It's data. But what do we do with it until we ignite the wisdom, the heart and soul into action of knowing what the divine uh, is showing us? We don't know how to use that knowledge. We don't know uh, in what pieces of knowledge are relevant to the moment, to the time. So if we are tapped into God's presence and uh, allow and open up, we will all be uh, always be divinely guided into what we need to know when we need to know it. But that is the knowing of oneself and opening up and basically channeling God through us. Uh, and as you said, there's a lot of book learners, a lot of people that put the academics out there. Nothing wrong with academics. But if you get stuck in the academics and you're not tapped into the wisdom of how to use those academics, then where are we going? It's, that's just knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not productive knowledge that can be put into something that can be creative. Yeah. Centuries ago, there was a, a Jewish king named Solomon. He was uh, David's son. And he said, of making many books, there is no end. Mm -hmm. Study is weariness to the soul. So on the one hand, we all know that we need an education and we need our knowledge. <clears throat> and that knowledge is a tool that we use. Yes. But it has to go beyond that. Um, and so, you know, really, I mean, I, I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of somebody who's a practicing Christian and you know what what we understand in the Christian tradition is that uh, that true that true light that enlightens every man and woman uh, the gospel of John says was coming into the world and that that light that was coming was not just some sort of revelatory light again an impersonal light not even just a frequency but was in fact the living person of Jesus and he came into the world with the specific objective to reveal the way to connect with God properly. I mean, we're all made up of God. Um, we're, we're all a part of him or, or Gus universe spirit, whichever you wish to call it or divine energy. Everybody has, you know, their different interpretation of it, which is okay because basically what we're doing is talking about the same divine source, which is a, a, a beautiful, energetic wisdom uh, of consciousness 
where if you step into God's love, you can't knowingly do harm to anyone. You can't be the judge and the jewelry. That's such a human condition because love does is, I may not condone your actions, but that doesn't give me a reason to hate. I have no right to hate because God is love. And so if we could step into that God presence of love and forgiveness, again, not condoning, but love and forgiveness, maybe we'll be able to help people who are making wrong choices for themselves and for society to understand that God's love is a much more heavenly place to be. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, one of Jesus's followers was a man named James. He's not spoken of as often as say Paul or Peter, but he said, anyone who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen uh, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think that's consistent with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But you know, the thing that's, the thing that's interesting to me about uh, this understanding of the linkage between knowing ourselves and knowing God, the thing that's interesting about all of that is, you know, oftentimes we have things that stop us from knowing God properly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Bible uses a specific term for that which is sin, and that's a word that has all kinds of baggage tied to it. So yeah. It may not always be a helpful word, but, you know, before we started this recording, you and I were talking about how humanity has an almost unlimited ability not to learn from the past. <laughs> so we can see, we can see where uh, the hatred has taken us. We could think of, for example, I don't know, World War II. How about that one? You know, that was a, that was a small... A minor blip in world history in which almost 100 million people were killed because of the hatred of, well, one man and his government and all that arose from that and the racism that went with it and all the rest of it. So <clears throat> unfortunately, I don't know that we've fully learned that lesson yet, even after, you know, all of the death that came with it. I kind of think that if, if we're women, we're kind of around the war table, they'll be looking at ways to find solutions instead of killing, especially if they've given birth. Right. <laughs> because right. it's very hard for a woman to take life, and I'm not saying that women don't, but you know, to take a life, you know, when you've birthed a life. Um, and it's, if we had more respect, I mean, you know, I think the reason why it takes so long to create this beautiful miracle inside of us and why it's so painful to give birth, but it, is, it is a privilege, right? It is a privilege to bring this life into the world, but it's also that preparation of preparing for the responsibility, you know, for this beautiful little creature that, that is put in your arms and to all the wonderment that is out there for that child. I think in a lot of ways we've forgotten, you know, the, the, the wonderful path that is of possibilities that lay before us if we step forward in God's love. Uh, you know, the, the, the joy, you know, right now people are going out after being locked down for so long, that simple hug or being able to have a cup of coffee with someone or just walk with someone. It's what we've learned. It's those simple things in life that bring us so much joy. And what is it? It's connection, that caringness for one another. If we could turn the volume up on that, on that caringness, that kindness, and that lovingness, I think all of us will not only have a better self-discovery, but more of a discovery of, of God, because we would understand that's really where it's at. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> if we walk in the light as he is in the light, so we're back to that same term, light, mm -hmm. uh, 
it's it's more than a it's more than just physical light. It's more than even a frequency. But we're using light as uh, maybe a word picture mm-hmm. of revelation of understanding, proper understanding. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Yeah. So again, this is a this is a Christian perspective, and you know it's it's interesting that so many of these ideas, you know, as we're talking about this. Um, Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. He, you know, lived in Israel, uh, or occupied Israel, Roman occupied Israel, speaking mm-hmm. of oppression and killing. Mm. And, uh, anyway, so, but, you know, there was a road that ran through the northern part of the Middle East. It ran through Syria, went through uh, what modern day Iraq, uh, modern day Iran. It went all the way to India. And there were a lot of ideas that were circulating into the world of that time along that famous highway highways have always been well you know we when the internet was first starting to be a thing people were using the term the information superhighway right yes yes Uh, we've moved away from that language but highways are corridors along which information and knowledge and wisdom can travel so you know we have this intersection of the thinking of the east uh crashing into the thinking of the west and where is that happening most fully? Greece, Syria, Israel, that area there. And so it's really into that, it's into that world that um, Jesus came and he had a lot of conversations with people. One of them is, a, is recorded in John's gospel, chapter four, he's talking to a woman and uh, she's drawing water from a well. And as she's drawing water, Jesus says, give me something to drink. And she says, uh, why are you even talking to me? This is, I'm, I'm saying it in colloquial English. But mm-hmm. Why are you even talking to me? You're a Jewish man and I am a Samaritan woman. So we got two strikes against us, Jew versus Samaritan and man versus woman. We shouldn't even be having this conversation. And Jesus says, well, if you knew who was talking to you, uh, you'd actually ask me for water and I would give you water that has true life in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she says, well, if that's the case, give me this water. And the reason she's saying it, of course, is she hates drawing water. Mm. You know, she's caught in the drudgery of life. She's caught in the, we could say, the monotony of life and just the plain old hard work, the physicality yeah. of it, you know, backbreaking labor of lifting water out of a well and then having to transport it home. And so um, Jesus, Jesus begins to talk to her. And pretty soon she realizes, uh-oh, this is, this is going someplace I don't really want it to go. And she goes, uh, you know, you Jews say that we, we have to go down to Jerusalem and worship on that mountain where the temple is. But our fathers worshiped on this mountain where we're sitting right now. And Jesus says, well, the time is coming where it won't matter which mountain you're on. Mm-hmm. What will matter uh, is that you are, you are worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. You actually have a true and authentic connection. So she goes, well, when the Messiah comes, he'll straighten everything out. You know, when the one great teacher comes, he'll, he'll tell us the way. And Jesus says, well, funny you say that. I who speak to you am that guy. Again, I'm saying it in colloquial English. And in this, in this conversation, she's like, hmm. He goes, go, go get your husband. I'll tell you some more. She goes, well, I don't actually have a husband. He goes, you're right. You don't have a husband. He said, you've had five men before the one you have now. Uh, and now the one you have uh, is not your husband. So in other words, you've kind of given up on the whole marriage thing. You, you're mm-hmm. living in 
a very modern existence, we might say. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, you're, you've got this man who isn't really, who isn't really your proper husband, but go get him anyway. And so she goes into town and she gets him, but she also gets pretty much the whole town. And she says to everybody there, you all know me, um, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Well, he doesn't really tell her everything she ever did. He just tells her the most important thing about her own source of pain in life, which is my relationships have failed. I've had five broken marriages and now I'm living with a guy and my, you know, my life, my life isn't working. And so she brings the whole town out and it says that the entire town believed in him because he was in fact the one true teacher. And then they ask him to stay for a couple more days and give them further instruction. Well, this is the nature of what happens when we come into uh, an encounter with that truth, that life that is found in him. That's why I follow him actually. I used to be quite the philosopher um, and you know, reader of all kinds of uh, cosmic literature, uh, religious literature from multiple traditions. And I found that you know, this one is the one that has answered the questions I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you've taken the knowledge journey and uh, it's whichever wisdom stood out for you is, is the connection. And that's what we want is that connection, isn't it? And, you know, it doesn't just because you're born or you may be brought up in church doesn't mean the connection is there. That's you know, correct. Doing the act of, you know, compliances does not mean, you know, uh, even to someone say, I'm a Christian God-fearing person and then condemn someone else. Yeah. You know, is not a, a God-like, uh, you know, uh, presence. And I think, I think this is where religion has been struggling for some time on the true act of, of Jesus of God is in love, is in love of self and when the, let your love roll, roll over onto others. It's about service to one another, but it's become a doctrine of, of hate and control. And if you are not like me, then you're against me. You know, you're the heathen. Um, instead of accepting that we're perhaps maybe ce celebrating all of the same God, but just call them, call them by a different name. And it's really about that love. And if we could step into that love of self, then we would know our God's love that was in within us would ignite it. And we can't turn around and be cruel to other people. And we can't judge other people. We can't condemn other people because that is not God's way. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think our language is similar. Um, you know, there's a, there's a concept though that if if God actually is more than just an energy field, if God actually has personality, and if God has chosen to make Himself known on any level, um, then because just by definition, because He's God, He has the right to name the terms by which we relate to Him. If we simply if we mirror the terms that he has defined or articulated for us, then we're not actually judging and condemning. We're simply mirroring what God himself has said. Now, that doesn't give us the right to become violent. It doesn't give us the right to become uh, oppressive. And unfortunately, that has happened a lot in the history of the world. But let's be clear, uh, communism is a completely atheistic uh, philosophy of life. And within the Chinese system of communism since the mid 1940s, 
when the uh, Boxer Rebellion occurred and the, and the communist Chinese came to power, uh, more than 100 million people have been slaughtered in China uh, because of that philosophy. And if we look at Russia, uh, coming through Lenin, uh, up through Stalin, ultimately through Khrushchev and to the modern period, things are better in Russia these days, but the best estimates we have is that maybe as many as 70 million people were slaughtered uh, and sent to the gulag to die in labor camps mm -hmm. under that system. And when we look at Nazism, which of course we all know in the West automatically, we reflexively say Nazism is almost the summit of all evil. Um, but you know, Hitler had a very well organized plan for the liquidation of human beings. Mm -hmm. That all came about because of a godless philosophy. So it's not, it's not clear to me that religion has been a worse thing than a religion, meaning non-religion or lack of religion. I think the issue comes back to that almost limitless ability of human beings to screw things up and okay. not from the past. Yeah. I don't know, you know, somewhere along the line, we, you know, we became, you know, judge, jury, and an executioner. And it's, uh, you know, let's take Hitler, for instance, he was half Jewish, but he hated the Jews. You know, when we look and dissect these leaders and these dictators, very often there is such insecurity inside of them, or some trauma that is inside of them, that right. is playing out. And the whole thing is to lash out against uh, because of the pain inside of them. And when you look at most dysfunction of people, it's coming from the pain and the anguish inside of themselves. But when we can find that peace within ourselves, that oneness within ourselves, then that is not our automatic reaction to anything. Because it, we want to understand, we want to care, we want to be more loving and supportive of one another. So I think a great deal of what we see in the anguish is, is fear for fear's sake because we know fear cells and certainly we've been swirling around for some years in a fear um, tornado where people are just the next hysteria that is out there um, and people have become terrified even of their own shadows um, so kind of going in to do that self-discovery or to connect to God in any way is some something that maybe they're afraid to do and unable to do at this point in their lives until they're willing to step up and say, I am going to make my own self-discovery of what is my connection and I'm not going to buy into the fear anymore. Because fear leads to hate. Hate leads to violence. That leads to death. I and mean, can you please tell me how is that productive? <laughs> and we know that there's a lot of people that make a great deal of money out of it, right? right? But, you know, that's the wrong side of productivity that we want, you know, if we... Well, I I think on that point, um, you know, we, we have we have a lot of things we could look at and point to. Uh, I agree with you about the fear, but you know, sometimes there are actually people who, it's not completely clear if they're fearful, they're burying it quite well. They actually have a will to power. Mm -hmm. So when we look at, I don't know, we could look at many different things. We we could look at Hitler. Uh, we could look at Stalin. We could look at Alexander the Great. We could look at the history of Rome. I'm sort of bouncing around in the historical timeline here. Um, in fact, the Bible even speaks of a man named Nimrod, and it says he was the first empire builder in the world. So some people have a will to power. And I mean, if they're fearful, they hide it well. What they really want to do is subjugate, dominate, and slave. 
um, and we might even say, you know, strip whole nations of their wealth mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, make them somehow subservient to their own will. That might be a different form of a problem. It's, in other words, fear might be one problem not to be denied, but this kind of enslavement and domination might be a different problem, but still a very real problem. Yeah, and if, if, if you're in that realm, you're certainly not coming from the heart. Uh, because you can't, you can't do the things, the atrocities they do if there was any heart, or yeah, even a, a connection to the soul at all. It is purely that human greed and power, um, which we see way too often. Um, and it's very easy for people to be, um, to step into that power when they get a taste of it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it can be very, very intoxicating. And that is kind of the test of your soul, of your heart. If you could so quickly buy into that at the expense of someone else, what is that saying about you? That's that right. is that is not power, right? And that's actually one of the things that I loved about Jesus when I really understood him, because um, there's an account in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and it's also found in Luke's Gospel, and there, it happens that both of them are chapter four. I think that's coincidence, but anyway. Um, and is there such a thing as coincidence? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, is there such a thing? But anyway, Jesus is being uh, tempted by, you know, this being called Satan. And Satan says to him, I will give you the power of all the kingdoms of the earth if you will bow down and worship me, which tells us something of the origin of that kind of will to power. And, uh, and Jesus says, be gone from me. It says, you will, you will worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. And then later on, again, back to the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. So, you know, he goes 180 degrees out of phase from the temptation that was laid in front of him to dominate, to enslave. And he says, I'll actually lay down my life for others in order that they might find the true life that I came to give them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jesus is really, in my mind, he's the epitome of the kind of leader that we want to be following in a world that has gone crazy with people who are uh, addicted to power. And, you know, these people are still roaming around. Mm-hmm. We'll stay off of uh, we'll stay off of Western politics just in the interests of, of, of not uh, potentially tripping over a minefield. But I don't think anybody needs much instruction to look at, for example, what happened in Zimbabwe under Mugabe or to look at what's happening right now in North Korea and has been happening in North Korea. And so there are plenty of examples that we could find even in the modern age of people who apparently have not learned any of these lessons. Maybe them have never, maybe, maybe those people have never even learned uh, what the truth is, but in any case, they're, they're caught in this spiral that somehow has to be uh, stopped. Mm. I think we're off kilter. And we have been for quite some time, you know, it's just been one war after the other in the name of what, you know, it's like half of these wars, you know, well, what, well, what was it about, you know, and really a lot of the time it's about profit, profit and power. That's um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, and control, of course, you know, which control very often is, is derived, you know, by the fear. Um, we have to take back our own empowerment, you know, it's, it, out the power within us is is that ignition of you and God, um, and when you travel together, you know it, the possibilities are absolutely endless. The heights are absolutely wonderful, but there is that certain uh, you have to allow, 
all right you can't dictate you can paint a canvas of what you would love to achieve where your heart is what what your desire is and if god thinks it's right for you god will guide you to it you have to surrender and allow and recognize it when it's there but so many people are in this it's got to be like this it's got to do this it's got to do that no no i'm not listening to anything else and they fail over and over again because they haven't opened up the heart and soul to that wisdom we were talking about there's just running on the certain knowledge parameter which is very often like hamster on a on a wheel yep yep well this is this is the brokenness this is the fallenness of humanity um and <clears throat> Somehow we've got to uh, we've got to do something to stop that hamster on the wheel. I don't know. Put it put a stick in the wheel to make sure it doesn't run anymore. Right, uh, right. Lay it down flat. <laughs> right. It can always be reused for something else, <laughs> right? Instead of that purpose. Tell us a little bit more about you know the Orbis Ministries, and I know that it's quite far-reaching, and um, you know you talk a great deal about the inner healing but you started this obviously you know compelled to follow to to be led to doing this um but whom whom does it serve whom who do you serve out there well we work we work i'd say predominantly but not exclusively with uh various churches and we're, we're across the spectrum so i've spoken in catholic and orthodox churches I've spoken in Pentecostal churches. I've spoken in kind of mainstream Protestant churches with brands, uh, excuse me, names like uh, Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist. Um, and then there's a lot of you know, newer churches that are kind of emerging um, in, in this hour. Uh, some of them are called renewal stream churches. But anyway, I've, I've been kind of all over the map with the churches that I work with. As I say, I do other things too. Uh, sometimes I'm with corporations and I talk to their executives because of my executive background about something as basic as how to make sure your executive team is getting along with each other mm -hmm. instead of in a wrangle for power, which is right. kind of where we just were a moment yes. ago. Um, so I do some consulting with organizations like that. Um, I do some work with various world governments also. Uh, often along the same lines, but also trying to help them find places of mediation and peace as opposed to open conflict. Um, so again, the, the, it's predominantly churches, but it's not exclusively churches. And a lot of times people will be in those meetings and they'll say, you know, I work at blah, blah, wherever blah, blah is. And, you know, we'd like to, we could actually use some of this. Uh, would you be willing to come in and work with us? So um, I have some associates that also do work with me. So in a kind of a funny way, we're not just exactly what you might buttonhole as a, you know, a preachy organization. Mm -hmm. I do preach, but uh, we're more like some kind of a um, consultancy mm -hmm. that tries to use the principles that God has left us in his word to bring about a better world. Um. Yeah, you know, preachy can always have a negative connotation. Don't you preach to me, which means that you're dictating to me in some people's eyes. It's, I always say that inspiration begets invitation. So if you can inspire people, it invites. And if they're invited, they want to know more and they want to participate more. 
So, you know, that I think is really, you know, important. And really what we are looking for today is we've had an awful lot of people tell us what to do and what not to do. And we're really in the confused valley. And really what we're looking for is that connection. So in the last 18 months. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's where is our, our ignition? Where, can you just light my, my generator so that it can get, you know, get going? Is people need that connection. Again, you know, we talked about the connection of getting out there and hugging people, but our heart and souls need that connection. They need that divine connection. That's and right. it may be running on low, you know, and it needs to be recharged and, and people need to open up and let it in. And, you know, the beauty of, of a lot of the shows I've done around business is I'm loving the new consciousness of business because it's not about, um, you know, uh, make money at, at all costs. It's about invest in my people, invest in my, my clientele, and the money will flow from that. But it's make sure that my people are happy, that lo loved coming to work, um, that feel like it's a family. And those are the most productive companies that you see. Uh, and it's generally heart-based, but God heart-based. So right. it doesn't matter what religion they are, it kind of comes from that presence of God's heart love. And it's so beautiful to see. You know, because like what you're doing, going into organizations, others I've interviewed are doing the same. And they used to be the other way. And they realize the other way just doesn't work. You're expiring your people. You're using your people and spitting them out. And there isn't any soul there. And if you can bring back that soul and that heart, that productivity and that loyalty and that sense of family is just going to be abundant. And so a lot of a lot of changes are needed you know people do need to be inspired invited to go i i believe there's something more how do i open up my door how right. do i open up my heart to let him in right well back to the story that i told of jesus with this woman by the well um this is really what he does you know he he invites her i mean he he reveals something about her that she didn't know that he knew but of course because he is because he is god come to earth he has some knowledge beyond what she's accustomed to, but, but he still makes it an invitation. Go, go, go get your husband and bring him. And well, I don't have a husband. You're right. You don't have a husband as a matter of fact, uh, but he invites her to go get him anyway. And she doesn't just go and get him. She goes and tells all of her friends in town and the whole town comes out. And so we see that kind of inviting mention mm. there. And, you know, when you were talking about, Oh, you know, that company that is, uh, the, we call it the snake pit here in, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think you use the same term in Canada. Uh, but, you know, when, when we're in that company, Thomas Hobbes, uh, many years ago, wrote a book called Leviathan. And he was talking about that same kind of an existence. Jesus had an answer to that. And he said, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God, everything you need will be given to you. Yep. Which is a, which is a, it kind of turns everything on its head because if everything is about control and power and money and you say, well, I'm not going to be after that. I'm going to be after, you know, the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God. If I'm going to go after that, uh, then everything sort of, if you will, falls in my lap or you might say it in your language, the universe serves it up to you. Manifestation. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. If, if we make that our higher priority, um, that that automatically moves us away from the kind of domination, manipulation, and control that we so often see. 
and we find ourselves in a place of what I would call interdependence with God. So we're back to the true and the true knowledge of God consists of knowledge of ourselves and the knowledge of him. Oh, I might actually want to dominate and control, but I, I choose not to do that. <clears throat> I want to know God. I want to know him. I want to know his kingdom. I want to know his righteousness. As I go after that, everything I need comes to me. And so now I understand something of God because of his goodness and graciousness toward me. And at the same time, um, I, have, I, I grow in the understanding of myself and I choose to move away from those parts that are the, the very things that are problematic, I guess is the, is the most benign way to say it. don't serve them, simply doesn't serve them. You know? And I mean, let's face we are here to serve one another. We, we are, you know, I, the analogy I use is that we're given an instrument to play. That is our gift. And we must learn to play it well. And then we find our orchestra in which to play it in. And we yeah. create a symphony out there that is uplifting and inviting to all. We need to be part of a tribe. We need to be part of a team, a village, a community, because that is who we are as human beings. But it's not just being one and, and then abstaining. It's about bringing the best of you with the good intentions and an open heart to that collective. And now you are actually in God's light. Now you're in that harmony and you are there supporting one another. And the sky's the limit because of that beautiful divine energy that you're creating together, that beautiful symphony that you're creating together. But we have to take onus. What is our instrument? I don't want to bring dysfunction to the table. Uh, you know, I don't want a violin that as soon as I start playing it, people's teeth start gritting. <laughs> <laughs> it's learn to play your instrument well. And that's the divine instrument that you were given. Everybody's given a beautiful gift here. But it's our responsibility to know what it is and in that self-discovery, how to play it and whom it serves. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. And we can't, we can't discover that on our own. I mean, we, no. we seek it, um, but it's, it's not just me, you know, sitting on a mountain uh, engaged in that. We can inquire maybe on the mountain. But now we're back to that partnership because true knowledge of ourselves consists of knowledge of God as well as knowledge of self. And we only come to knowledge of self through the knowledge of God. I'm back to exactly what John Calvin said. So that's where we have to connect to him uh, in order to find that place of service. Some people are created for this. Some people are created for that. That's why Mozart is Mozart or Bach, yes. Bach or you know, Brahms is Brahms. Depends on your flavor in music. Um, and, uh, that's what makes, uh, I don't know, a Da Vinci or a Van Gogh, mm -hmm. a Da Vinci or a Van Gogh. They're very different artists, but they're artists. They're not musicians. They're not mathematicians and they're not business people, but there are some people that are created to govern and hopefully govern. Well, there are some people who are created to, uh, well, I would like to think be responsible stewards in the business sphere, uh, back to something you said a few minutes ago. But you you don't often find the artist or the musician be the good business person. They 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 don't even their brain doesn't even function that way. No, no. Yeah. Well, so, so the currency is the music. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So all of us have something to contribute. All of us have a role to play, and that process of discovery comes in conjunction with with God, and He takes us on a journey. You know, the village is only as strong as everybody's participation. That's right. Even the village idiot, everything ha everybody has a role to play. And, you know, when 
somebody's in dire need, the village is there. When somebody's celebrating, we're, they're there. And it's riding that wave of life and joy and living and exuberance and creativity and love. It's riding all of that as a strong village because everybody is there. Not nitpicking, not judging, not, you know, all that meaning in there we don't need any of that it's totally unproductive it's about being there to support one another and i think that's you know kind of the house of god is that in support of one another of service to one another um in a loving caring kind way that doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they say it doesn't even mean that kind of you have to like them because they may be not, you know, you don't have a connection. That doesn't make them bad. It just means you don't connect. But you still got to have that respect for who they are and what they bring to the end. It's just not your kind of instrument. And, you know, we can't, we've got to stop this judging someone because of either the color or their religion or their sexuality or their economics, um, you know, their opinions. Who are we to judge? No, I'm sorry. That is not our role to do. Uh, we can maybe dislike something because it's not something that we, we would do ourselves, but we can't condemn others for it. Hold them accountable if they hurt another, but we, it's not in our power to condemn. And I think that's something we need to stop doing because that's not God's love as far as I understand. As you were talking, I was thinking of something that the metaphysical poet John Donne wrote. Uh, he, wrote he lived in the Middle Ages, um, but anyway, he was he was a Christian poet, but um, he wrote, uh, no person is an island entire of itself. Every person is a piece of the continent, a part of the main, which is probably a shortened form of mainland. Mm -hmm. And then he said, now he lived in England, but he said, if a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every single dirt clod matters to yes. the continent of Europe. Um, you know, you're talking about all of humanity. Uh, therefore, never send a no for whom the bell tolls. And of course, in those days, if somebody died, they would have the you know bell in the church tower ringing to indicate that somebody had died and you know a funeral was underway. So therefore, never send to no, or we might say in more modern English, never seek to, to ask who died. Mm -hmm. Never send a no for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Mm -hmm. It's everyone's loss. Yeah, when we lose one, everybody is yeah. is impoverished by that loss. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that. I mean, I think that I, I love that poem. Obviously, I can quote it. Um, mm -hmm. Thought about it a lot, but I think that's I think that's the proper sentiment about how we relate to our fellow humans. If we could only understand that all this hate rhetoric, this racism, this. <sighs> And I know we've really run out of words as to what it is, but just dysfunction, you know, uh, it's it's crippling communities and societies and, it, and it's it's crippling the planet. It's crippling any life that we can have. And if only we could just realize we're shooting off our own foot. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are spitting venom or violence at someone else, it's coming back at you. Yeah, and uh, and then you feel wounded and you want to hurt someone else because of that wound and it's that perpetual hamster wheel again and somewhere along the line you've got to have the willingness to get off you just uh, this doesn't serve me i've got to get off i need to go somewhere where i can feel the loving arms of god around me i think somehow we <clears throat> we have to find 
the ability to shut off that uh, that power, the negative power mm-hmm. that runs through us. Again, it, it's a tainted word in our modern times, mm-hmm. but biblically, the word for it is sin, and somehow that has to get dealt with. And I I I certainly see the value of uh, knowledge mm-hmm. and value of wisdom. We started with those concepts with this conversation but i'm not sure that we can will ourselves out of it merely because of knowledge or wisdom i mean we have all of the wisdom of the east we could think of the vedic traditions of hinduism we can think about buddha sitting under the bow tree and achieving enlightenment circa 500 bc Uh, we can think of the teachings of the Tao. Uh, we can think of the i ching we can think of shintoism i mean all of these are uh, areas of, of inquiry for people who claim to be seekers in our modern times. Most of them, in one way or another, deal with the idea of enlightenment and consciousness. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think there is, I think there's, some, I think there's something very important about understanding truth and living from the right perspective. But the, but the bigger issue is that most of us have flowing within our veins a power towards, towards something negative whether it's the will to profit, whether it's the will to power, whether it's the will to dominate, enslave, et cetera. And, you know, part of what uh, Jesus said is, I have come in order to shut that down in you Mm -hmm. so that you no longer have that will to evil, that will to power. Because really we've avoided the word evil, but all of these are manifestations of evil. And uh, and that that is an unsolved problem apart from being joined back to God. In God, there is no evil. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all, is the way one book in the Bible puts it. And so we, if we're connected to him, that, that will allow that power to be short-circuited, the negative power. And with that, God's divine power to flow through us. You know, this is my epitome of hell. You know, um, when you live in such hate, and such venom and such disconnect you are in hell you're in that perpetual with no peace and no outlet from it and somebody's got to pay you know and it's vengeful and everything about it is destructive and it's tearing you apart bit by bit but the free will is to say i will open the door to god until you open that door, until you open your heart, and even a crack, and say, I'm opening up my heart to the possibility of God. Now, God's divine presence can come through you, but it can't come through you with a closed heart. And there, the free will is the, the choice to, I'm no longer going to serve the, the disconnect. I wish to be connected. And now you can really open up and the teachings can really come through. But that free will is, I'm willing to walk away from hell. And I don't know how people can live. We've all been angry. We've all had that at some point. And I remember how sick it made me feel to feel like that. Right. Right. And now I can't do anything that's against my core because that's my truth. That's my peace. That's my divine. That's my God. If my core says no, I can't do it. However enticing it may be, because the cost of it will be too much of me, of my divine presence. And I wish people would find the courage and the strength to say, I've lived in this anger for too long. I'm willing to open up my heart a crack and let God in. Right. Now tell us about your podcast. 
Well, um, it's called God is not a theory. And uh, I have all kinds of people come on to interview with me much as I'm doing with you. Mm -hmm. And I also will at times just do the <clears throat> podcast myself and talk about, um, well, whatever, whatever seems appropriate. At mm -hmm. the moment, we're making our way through a multi-part series on the new reformation, basically, you know, how do we, how do we get the church in the West to work? Because I think a lot of what we observe structurally um, is broken. And it may even be that some of the teaching has gotten off in the weeds and isn't, you know, yeah. consistent with the word of God. But um, anyway, uh, we've been going for two seasons and we have a growing audience and uh, uh, we have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot as well as, uh, you know, having conversations. So it's, it's great. And then uh, on top of the podcast, uh, I have a, a school that is an online uh, format, although we do gather uh, once a year for an on-site training and we have one coming up in July in the DC area been sold out for months and then um you know i will i will do standalone broadcasts sometimes on facebook other times i'll do them through youtube and land them on facebook among other places it just kind of depends on the subject matter and who the intended audience is uh so and then on top of that i travel widely um most weeks i'm traveling i you know i was locked down for about three months last year but around about july things started to open up again and I've just been busy. I'm, I'm not traveling as much internationally as right. I, as I was doing for border controls, but, um, uh, we're pretty busy in the U S and, uh, yeah, I've been healthy. I've been happy. Life's good. I'm blessed. Yeah. And you know, right now people are really needing that help. You know, it's the lockdown of 18 months, even the coming out people in, it's like, is it safe? And there's another variant coming up and, and then, of course, so many shootings and, and stabbings and you name it and everything else. And uh, people are just kind of like, I, I don't know, I was secure in my home. Do I want to come out? You know, and a lot of it, that. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it is the it is that it's OK. You're not alone. Come with us. You're not alone. Um, we'll do this together. You know, we'll do this with God's love together. And, you know, together we'll bring others out and form that community of, of helping one another, which I think is very, very important. How do people uh, log on to your Facebook? And also, how did they get hold of you? Well, uh, not your Facebook, your well, Facebook you can do as well, your podcast. Yeah, my podcast is available in the Apple Store, Google Play Store, and through Spotify. And it's called God Is Not A Theory. So they can, they can go find it there. I just checked it the other day. It's still up, still working. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty straightforward. My website is orbisministries.org. And um, the school, you can get to it through the main website, but the school has its own uh, website, which is orbissm for orbisschoolofministry.com. Right. So, and, and of course, you are on Facebook and Instagram of Orbis Ministries. Uh, people will find it there. YouTube, uh, Orbis Ministries. And then right. you have the YouTube Ken Fish USA. Yep. Uh, is that something different to the other one? Yeah, the, the Ken Fish channel is really my own personal stuff. The Orbis Ministries tends to be more conference things that mm. you know, get people want to get a feel for what we're doing and how we're doing it. And a lot of times people, um, I don't know, they like watching those events because we, we see a lot of, I mean, really divine things happen that 
kind of, well, they sometimes blow people's circuits a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is a couple months ago that this story comes from, but I was in Toledo, Ohio in, uh, let me see, we're in June. I guess it must have been, the, it was in earlier April. So, uh, you know, nearly three months ago now. But um, there was a woman that was present in a Sunday morning service and she'd had a stroke and she was a young woman. She was 23 years old. You don't generally think of 23 yeah. years having strokes. But anyway, she was severely paralyzed from this stroke. And uh, I, I don't know whether it would be proper to call her a straight quadriplegic, but she was she was very, very crippled up with all that was wrong with her from that stroke. Anyway, um, so I gave what we call a word of knowledge, a, you know, a piece of divine information from, from God and uh, called out a condition which she also had but it wasn't actually the paralysis that I was calling out. And her husband was there and he said, well, that's my wife and you know, she has that. And so I walked over and I had a couple of you know, my associates with me and we prayed for her and um, she not only was healed of that, but she was completely set free of the paralysis. And at the end of the service, she was jumping up and down and walked out the door carrying her, uh, her walker uh, which I'm not sure she should have been in a walker. She was she was so bad. She really wasn't ambulatory. She probably should have been in a wheelchair. But anyway, she walked out the door with that and uh, was totally fine and remains fine to this day. So we see a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, you know, people with crippling pain, MS, various kinds of conditions. Some of them life threatening. Others merely extremely painful. Uh, and I, I say merely in a in that tone because I, I recognize even how bad that can be, even if it isn't strictly speaking, a life-threatening thing. Uh, we see a lot of that. And, you know, a lot of people are looking for answers to their own uh, physical problems. And of course, when you see it physically, now we're moving beyond just, you know, me and my own mental satisfaction or sense of centeredness. We're actually dealing with things that affect my living day to day and my ability just to earn a living. So, um, anyway, a lot of times people like to watch the videos because we, we talk about that, teach on that. So that's where Orbis Ministries uh, YouTube channel is. Helping. I'm just going to add a note to that, that I live with a, a lady who's about to be 88 and uh, she got polio when she was six and she was yeah. uh, four years in hospital and many operations. When she finally came out, she had that brace on her leg and her leg was an inch shorter. And her father, who was very devout, he, he said, right, God, thank you for, for saving her life. And, uh, but she, must be able to be productive in life and walk on her own and all of that and uh, he prayed very heavily every day for seven days and then um, he went to go and put the brace on in the morning and he threw the brace on the floor and he put her on the floor pushed her forward and said walk uh, without the brace not only did she walk she's been a sprinter a, a skier uh, <laughs> you name it you know a tennis player everything and that leg that was an inch shorter there is no difference in it whatsoever Fantastic and that, story. that came about from his faith so yeah. faith has most divine energy and we can reconstruct uh, on a cellular level in our body with that beautiful divine energy and you've just got to believe right got to open up the heart and the soul and the spirit to believe because anything is possible that's right jesus even said it he said if you can everything is possible to the one who believes yeah, so yeah. the main thing is that we put our faith in the right place right yeah. exactly so it's orbis ministries that's 
O-R-B-I-S-Ministries.com. Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. And, um, and of course, the podcast and the YouTubes and everything. It's right here on all of his show page, folks. And, uh, you know, keep on keep on spreading that word, you know, sharing, inspiring that word, because we're, we're at that crossroads in life where the last 18 months was a time where we got shaken up, woken up for us to step up, change it up and, and grow up into a higher vibration. And it was a wonderful time for many of reflection. Am I really going down the path I want? Is this really what I want for my life? Am I really serving myself and my community? And then this year is a word of actionism. And so we need to take action now. And that means be willing to change your life if it's not working and let the divine help you because you are not meant to do it alone. And when you open up your heart and soul, you will be guided. And uh, the proof is always there, right? It's always there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Ken. Oh, it was great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I hope that your travels to Eastern Canada pan out. Yes, I've never been to Montreal and um, I'm going with my 88-year-old landlady because she's from there and you would think she's a kid in a candy store because we booked yesterday and <laughs> she hasn't come down from that height yet. But seeing the city through her eyes, you know, because that's where she was born and bred is going to be absolutely wonderful. And I'm, no COVID is going to get in our way. We're yeah. going. <laughs> Keep the belief strong, right? Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. And folks, remember, a closed heart doesn't let any God in. And you need to open up that heart, even if it's just a crack, and ask for help. Ask for help because that help will come. And when it does, your gates will flood open. You'll find your meaningful purpose. You'll live in that divine light and you'll truly understand the truth and the meaningful purpose of why you're here. So thank you, Ken. And until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.